according to something I read, Jesus said, ask him before you start reading if this is actually from him or if this is from somebody else, like a prophet. Some, I mean, a false teacher. And always ask him first. Carol makes a really good point of before you even start reading, um, to pray and ask God to, to reveal to you. And I think that that's always smart. And then you'll know if, it's, if those things are coming from, from the Lord. Um, one of the things that we can see in Second Peter is that, um, that the behaviors that were, they were starting to see, that they um, were behaviors that can erode a community. Um, from within, and, and that these were also Peter's kind of last words. He was not soon after going to be uh, martyred himself. So these were his last words of being able to tell, you know, the believers. So if you get kind of a more personal feeling, kind of like um, Paul's Second Timothy. I think that's why I said Second Timothy. I was thinking about how Paul also did the same thing. Um, so the, the verse that came to me actually when I think about um, having knowledge of what the word says, and it's not just a head knowledge, but a heart knowledge of what the word says, is that in Psalm 119, 105, it says, your word is a lamp for my feet and a light for my path. That his word is what's going to light our way. His word is going to keep our feet on the path. So, um, the other thing I think is that this falling away, you were seeing the believers at that time starting to fall away, and it was because of false teachers. So, let's go ahead and get started. Then in 2 Peter 2, and um, I'm reading from the NIV this time, and I like to kind of switch them around and look at different versions, but... Um, this one I, I wanted to read this time. So, verse 1. But there were also false prophets among the people, just as there will be false prophets and teachers among you. I mean, I felt like he was saying that to me. Hey, Susie, there were false teachers back in this day, just like there are going to be false teachers with you. They will secretly introduce destructive heresies even denying the sovereign Lord who brought them, bringing swift destruction on them. Many will follow their depraved conduct and will bring the way of truth into disrepute. In their greed, these teachers will exploit you with fabricated stories. Their condemnation has long been hanging over them and their destruction has not been sleeping. So, I want to stop there and just kind of pull some things out. And remember, this is the time like you're not going to be quenching the Holy Spirit if he's talking to you. You just say what you feel is um, important to let us know. So when I look at verse 1, um, he's talking about, he's indicating these false teachers. Um, and the thing that, uh, that we find with the false teachers is that they know the truth, um, but they deliberately lie. And normally it's brought about because pleasing man, wanting money, 
power. Think of the things that, you know, why would someone, t someone that knows the word tell you something that isn't true? Um, they deny Christ's work of redemption when they say um, that, that they have destructive heresies, even denying the sovereign Lord who bought them, bringing swift destruction on themselves. So they deny Christ's work of redemption. They can appear like church, people from church. They can appear like church members. They may be even talking the same talk, but is the meaning the same? And we'll have some true doctrine. There'll be some strands of truth in there, just enough to make it, you know, believable. This is why you have to know what the Word of God says if you're going to be able to combat that. Because it can sound like something that's true. It can sound like that pretty shiny penny, but it's not. So um, one of the things that, if you've watched the news at all, you know how they fact-checked everything in the news the last four years, really, basically. Um, they were always fact-checking. I would say for you, you need to fact-check. If something isn't sounding right, fact-check it. In fact, I would say if anyone that's, that, that is talking, speaking the word of God, you don't know them, I would fact-check what they're saying. If you don't know that to be what is true, then you should check it, definitely. I say that for me. I give you full permission to call me on something if it doesn't seem right. Uh, you should always be able to do that with anyone. Did you guys get anything else out of that? When you move down to verse 2, it says, um, many will follow their depraved conduct and will bring the way of truth into disrepute. So when I looked at that depraved conduct, it's sensual, it's unrestrained, it's shameful, immorality. I think you can pick that up in the news, unfortunately, with, our, with people that are claiming to be children of God that you'll see this, and then you don't have to follow it too far back to, fee to see where the lie starts and, and where the false teaching comes in. Um, when you move to, to verse 3, verse 3 says, In their greed, these teachers will exploit you with fabricated stories. Their condemnation has long been hanging over them, and their destruction has not been sleeping. So the word actually for fabricated stories is the word plastos, for, so plastic. And um, it can be molded into kind of anything, into a fabricated story. If you look at something that's plastic, um, they may be using the same vocabulary, but their meaning is different. They fit their words to fit whoever they're with. Um, whoever they're speaking to, they can change their words and twist them and make them into what they feel will fit that situation.
And why did they do it again? Peter says it's because of covetousness, greed, lust, power. I mean, you can name probably several things that will cause people to be false teachers. Fact check them. False teachers will promote and attempt to get something from you. And kind of self-promoting. Um, I think it's one of the reasons I've, I've really loved being here and sitting under Jim's teaching because I feel like he goes from what the Bible says. He pulls his verses. He explains things. I, I feel like we're getting a Bible teaching, something that's coming from the Bible. And when I've gone to churches, it is the thing I look for. You know, I don't think we need someone else's opinion. What we need only is God's opinion, and it should always be pointing us to that relationship with Jesus Christ. If you're sitting in a church today, and you're not hearing those words, and that, that arrow pointing you straight towards Jesus, you're probably not sitting in a right place. You should always be hearing that in a church service. And it says down here, their, dis their condemnation has long been hanging over them and their destruction has not been sleeping. So I really think God is going to take care of those false teachers. Anything else? You loud and rowdy crowd. <laughs> All right, just because I'm getting dry voiced, do I have someone that is a wants to read four through ten? Sure, I'll give it a try. All right, there she goes. My I know. I almost think it would be Paul because I think he's always noted for his long just, run on just, sentences. Just <laughs> Try to read that the way it was punctuated. <laughs> okay. Um, and then mine just kind of wraps up with bold and arrogant. They are not afraid to heap abuse on celestial beings. Celestial beings. So if you were going to like now take and paraphrase that, if you were going to say, this is what that is saying, 
Who is the brave soul that wants to tell me what that's saying in one or two words? How about one or two sentences? Amen. That's what I got too. The Lord knows how to rescue the godly from trials and to hold the unrighteous for punishment on the day of judgment. Um, I think that really sums up those those verses right there. Well, yeah, I gave us a whole list of things that God's already done. Right? Right? I mean, we can read about those. Yeah. Um, I'm trying to think if I wrote down anything else. Well, when you start to go down and go through this, you think about Noah, how he protected Noah and brought him out of, the, out of that wickedness. Um, when you look at the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah, how um, homosexuality was approved of in those cities. And, and I thought, is, you know, what goes around comes around because do we not look the same today? We look exactly the same, folks. Yeah. We look the same. And it isn't same. just homosexuality. No, just, no. That's just maybe the final nail in the coffin, not necessarily the only nail in the coffin. You're absolutely right. Um, it is the, um, the, the disregard for the things that are sacred. Yeah, like life. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I agree so much. So much. Um, and you know, the thing, the thing with Lot, when I think about Lot, I always think about his wife. And I'm like, girl, why did you turn back? Why did you look back? And yet, I can say in my own life, how many times have I looked back? You know, and said, that, that kind of looks fun over there. You know, I've, just as I was reading through all of this, I can't tell you how many times I said, Lord, forgive me. Forgive me for those times that, you know, I glanced back. Thank you for not turning me into a pillar of salt. Um, the other thing was that I saw in here. Let me see if I can find it. Oh, the, right at the end, it says, bold and arrogant, they are not afraid to heap abuse on celestial beings. And then it kind of runs into verse 11. Not even angels, although they are stronger and more powerful, do not heap abuse on such beings when bringing judgment on them from the Lord. So I thought... You know, and yet how many times do um, words come out of our mouths that are, you know, we might say, oh, well, it's righteous indignation, but even the angels, um, they didn't use their own words. They might have said, I rebuke you, you know, in the name of the Lord. But I, and if you go to um, Jude, there's only one chapter in there. So if you will turn there, this was kind of an example of what I saw. It's Jude 1, 8 and 9. It says, in the same way, on the, did I get that right? 8 and 9? On the strength of their dreams, these ungodly people 
pollute their own bodies, reject authority, and heap abuse on celestial beings. Kind of the same thing it's saying. But even the archangel Michael, when he was disputing with the devil about the body of Moses, did not himself dare to condemn him for slander, but said, The Lord rebuke you. Yet these people slander whatever they do not understand, and the very thing they do understand by instinct, as irrational animals do, will destroy them. I think sometimes we play loose with things that we don't understand. What did that, what did those, go back to the second Peter, what did that say to you, that, that verse 11? Yet even the angels, although they are stronger and more powerful, do not heap abuse on such beings without bringing judgment on them from the Lord. You think he's talking about, and I'm really asking this, do you think he's, Peter's talking about we shouldn't be heaping abuse on false teachers? Who's he talking about there? Or is he talking about false teachers are doing the heaping the abuse? I think he's talking about the false teachers, kind of. If you go back it up a little bit. Daring self-willed, they do not tremble. Right. When they revile angelic majesties. So. But angels do tremble before the Lord. Yes. But they, these false teachers, do not. It's kind of like there's there's no regard for the things that are sacred with them. Hmm. We'll go down to 13. They will be paid back with harm for the harm they have done. Their idea of pleasure is to carouse in broad daylight. Do we see that today? People just doing whatever that is evil in the sight of the Lord. It's not even hidden anymore. It's like, a, you know, I had read this quote someplace. I think it was on one of the social medias that you know, Satan's right in front of us and he doesn't even have to hide anymore. You know, he's just out there doing it and people aren't, it's like it's not even a shock. No shame. Um, it's, not even, it's not even shocking to people anymore because you're so used to seeing it and hearing it. I, I even wonder if there is anybody like Lot um, where it says, for the righteous man living among them day after day was tormented in his righteous soul. I'm thinking, I mean, I know that there are things that truly bother me, but was I, am I like Lot? Do, have I become so numb to what I see day in and day out? I don't want to be numb to that. I want it to shock me. I want it to break my heart because I know it's breaking my Lord's heart. So it needs to break my heart too. Yeah. So again, the Lord's saying, they're going to have their day. Their judgment will be coming. They are blots and blemishes, reviling in pleasures while they feast with you. 
With eyes of adultery, they never stop sinning. They seduce the unstable. They are experts in greed on a cursed brood and a cursed brood. Kind of like um, what a man thinks, that's what he'll do. When he's thinking wrong, he's going to be doing wrong. It makes me sad kind of when I hear this part, they seduce the unstable. And I think the unstable to me are those that are not grounded in the word. They're able to be tossed here and there because they're not grounded in the word. They don't really know what the whole word is saying. They may be able to pick bits and pieces out, but they can't, they can't tell you what the word is saying. Anyone have anything else to add on that one? Okay, 15. They have left the straight way and wandered off to follow the way of Balaam's son of Bezir. Bezir? Bezir? Who loves the wages of wickedness. So if you remember of the story of Balaam, he was a prophet and they were, wanted him to go prophesize against Israel. Um, but, and he knew what the truth was, but yet he was being offered such a nice um, lucrative sum of money or, you know, whatever they were offering him, um, that he went that direction. And he couldn't turn down, he couldn't turn down what they were offering him. And I think that's one of the things that you'll find with false teachers, is that they will know what the truth is, but they'll lead you down a wrong path. Then after a while, I even wonder if they do know what the truth is. You know, you start to believe the lies so long. Do you really know what the truth is? But he was rebuked for his wrongdoing by a donkey, an animal without speech, who, who spoke with human voice and restrained the prophet's madness. Verse 17. You know what, why don't I get someone to read? Linda, you're awfully quiet back there. You think you could read 17 and 18? What did you think of his examples? Springs without water and mist driven by a storm. Did it kind of bring to your mind anything? Yeah, not telling the truth. It's their truth. Yeah.
I kind of had two pictures come to my mind. I thought about, I lived in Phoenix for uh, about 20 years. And so whenever we would get a haboob coming through town, you could see it coming from far away. And you would think you were going to get tons of rain. But really all you got was tons of wind. And I think that that must be what that mist driven by a storm looks like. You see it coming, but yet there really isn't any water in it. There's no, there's no mist in it. All it is is sand and wind. And then springs without water, you know, you're, you think, um, it kind of brings to my mind, you know, in the Wizard of Oz, how the, once they pulled back the curtain, the wizard really wasn't the wizard. You know, he was kind of just all talk and smoke, smoke and mirrors, and he was nothing. And that's what these people are. They're offering really nothing. They're springs without water and mist-driven by storms. Blackest darkness is reserved for them. For their mouth, empty, boastful words, and by appealing to the lustful desires of the flesh, they entice people who are just escaping with those who live in error. So again, kind of those unstable, I don't really know the word that I'm not that strong, and yet those are the very people who a false teacher can pull away. Their words sound good, but they don't bring any, any relief. They don't bring you the truth. Yeah. And you know, I don't know about all of you, but I feel like I was in that place forever. Forever, I feel like I was in that baby place. Um, probably at least 40 years of my life. I feel like that's where I was. And I could have easily, and was easily, um, had my head turned. And until I started really um, seeking God and digging into the word, did I really see what truth was. That's why I say, you know, if I've, you've ever heard me give a testimony, I never thought I'd come back and say, thank you, Lord, for cancer. Because cancer really put me in the place the Lord wanted me to be in. You know, as far as seeking him and looking for truth, and you never think, well, cancer, that's a good thing. Cancer was a good thing in my situation. It put me where I wanted to be in right relationship with the Lord. And um, I think for those first 40 years, I would have been that person that false teachers could have easily carried off. Verse 9, 19, sorry. Um, they promise their freedom while they themselves are slaves of depravity. For people are slaves to whatever has mastered them. And that's the truth. Verse 20. If you have escaped the corruption of the world by knowing our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ and are again entangled in it, and are overcome. <coughs> they are worse off at the end than they were at the beginning. 
<laughs> I mean, what a powerful statement. If you have escaped the corruption of the world by knowing Jesus, and you turn yourself around and you get entangled back and are again entangled in it, in the world, and you are overcome, it's worse for you than had you than had it been at the beginning. <coughs> it would have been better for them to have not known the way of righteousness than to have known it and then turn their backs on the sacred command that was passed on to them. What's that sound like to you? Makes them more confused. It's what I didn't hear you. I said it makes them more confused. Because they hear one thing and then the next thing they're hearing something else and then they're totally lost. Yes, yes. I know because I've been there. I know, I know. I have been there as well. Can he get in? Yeah, he's got a key. So... I want to, so I, I was just going through and I was looking at just news headlines because I, I read this, uh, I have an app on my phone. It's called Discern. And I like to read it because it's short kind of snippets of news. And I find it to be what I assume is fairly accurate. So just as I was going through today, Oh, and I meant to kind of grab some of these papers. I printed them off. Um, things that I say to myself, I'm going to investigate. I'm going to fact check on this, these groups because they're calling themselves Christians, but I'm really questioning it. Um, one of them is called, he, it's HRM, Hebrew Roots Movement, and their goal is to restore the Jewishness back into Christianity. Another one is progressive Christianity. So what I read on this one is it says they are reformed and reforming identity. At the heart of the, this movement is the desire to articulate a way of being a Christian that is an alternative to the Christian faith portrayed in the public realm. Okay, now to me that sounds like a whole lot of you're trying to take and present it in a new box that might be leaving out some of the important parts, you know? So I don't know enough about them to say these are false teachers, but I know enough that that says to me, you know, I'm not saying God won't do new things, but he will never go against his word. His word will not change. So when I see something like that, my antenna goes up and I say, fact check fact check this group. Um, red letter Christians. And I talked about this a little bit. I still have not investigated much, but they pay attention to Jesus's words and biblical values. Now that sounds good, doesn't it? That sounds good. Um, they strongly believe in peace, strong family, strong families, elimination of poverty, and social issues. So it's not that I don't think those things are important. 
but never once when I was reading through them did I hear them say anything about the Son of God, Jesus Christ, died for my sins. Never once did I see that anybody pointing to Jesus because someone that is really going to be a teacher is going to be pointing us towards Jesus. When I read about any of these, and I, like I said, I just skimmed through. I didn't go into any kind of an in-depth study, but when I hear things like this, it does make me say in my spirit, fact check this. This might not be right. Then I saw something today. Um, let me see if I can find it. It was called a Progressive Methodist Group, the Liberation of Methodist Coalition. I think that's what that word is. And I thought to myself, again, you know, is um, nobody ever talked about Jesus in this group. No one gave a gospel message when I read it. Now, it's a short kind of a, a, a uh, few paragraphs of what they are, but still it made me think I would definitely be fact-checking. So if something doesn't sound right, or you even have the slightest indication, I like what Carol said at the beginning, when you go in, you go in prayerfully and let the Lord show you. The Holy Spirit will guide you. And if you're not hearing them speak about our Lord, Jesus Christ, then you know that you probably need to fact check. Um, one of the things that I saw that I thought was really cool was, um, like I use this app on my iPad and it's called UVision, uh, UVirgin, I'm sorry. And one of the things that they said was version that they had, let me see if I can find it on here, because it was a pretty cool thing. version Bible app in engagement skyrockets in 2020. Soaring numbers of searches, chapters read and listened to, devotional plans completed. Um, 43.6 billion Bible chapters in the platform this year, listened to by 7.5 billion chapters. I mean, it's just tons. Um, the top searches were fear, faith, peace, hope, justice, healing, love. He said, the, the CEO of this, the founder of this said, they reveal how people are seeking God as they wrestle with difficult circumstances. So you know that the field is out there ready for us to go and harvest. We need to have that same kind of lot heart that our heart breaks for what breaks God's heart. The field is out there ready for us. We should be more than ever. People are hungry for what our Lord has to say. They're looking for that peace that only Jesus can give. And so we are small, a small little group right here but how powerful we can be. You know, it only takes one of us and the Holy Spirit. I say the Holy Spirit first and one of us, one that's willing to say, okay, I'll go. I'll go, Lord, here I am to make a difference. 
the verse that they said that was read the most is don't worry, it's in Philippians 4, 6. Don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank him for all he has done. The verse that people went to the most. People are looking for comfort. They're looking for, they're looking for what Jesus has to offer. And all we have to do is say, here I am, Lord. He will put the words in your mouth. I told Kim, there are many Bible scholars in that room better than me. I said, you only pick me because I'm the one that'll say yes. But you know what? I know that each one of you would say yes too. I know Carol said yes in the past. <laughs> All we have to do is be willing to say yes. And the Holy Spirit will fill those gaps for us. Um, I'm going to close up here today just with this last um, this last verse in here it says of them the proverbs are true a dog returns to its vomit and a sow that is washed returns to wallow in her mud um i was reading i i said this before i really like to read uh j vernon mcgee he's very a very strong bible teacher and i find him to be very a very grounded bible teacher and so this is one of the things, this is him quoting uh, Dr. A.C., and I'm going to say his name wrong, um, Gabelin. He says, friends, if you came in here today unsaved and you walk out unsaved, I am your worst enemy that you have ever had because you heard the gospel and you can never go back into the presence of God and tell him you have never heard the gospel. You have heard it. And it will be worse for you when, you when God pronounces judgment than for any heathen in the darkest part of the earth today. I think we need to know how to share that gospel message. We need to be able to say to someone, you have no excuse. You've heard the gospel. If you walk away today without making a decision, You've heard the gospel, and I have now become your worst enemy. We need to know how to share that gospel message. Do you guys have anything else you want to add? Things that struck you? It's all new to you. <laughs> All right, I'm going to go ahead and close us in prayer. Um, we are going to have our, our women's uh, Christmas party tomorrow. Come in your pajamas. Uh, bring a white elephant gift. It is so much fun. And, um, and if you don't have a pair of pajamas you want to wear, just come in your jeans. And it'll be loads of fun. I hope we'll see you there tomorrow. It starts at 12. So let's just close in prayer. Oh, Father, help us as we go forward. I know that there are so many out there hurting, Lord, and your call is for us to share your message, Lord. People want to hear it, Jesus. People want to know that there is a God out there and that the world isn't chaotic, that you hold us still in your hands and that you are still in control and you still sit on the throne, Jesus. Lord, I just pray that 
we're not afraid, but we will just say, here I am, Lord, send me. Lord, make us wise to those false teachers. Help us know the word so well that we know when someone isn't telling us the truth. Lord, bring people into our path, people that we can share your gospel message with, Lord Jesus. Help us know how to, how to just explain that, Lord. Give us the words when we don't have them. Let your Holy Spirit come and fill us, Jesus. We pray this in your name. Thank you, Lord. Amen. All right, we are going to be starting right now in 2 Peter, verse 3. And one of the things that I have said on each one of these chapters is, if the Holy Spirit is speaking to you, don't quench it. Just speak right up and say what it is that is, um, he is laying on your heart. Because uh, I like to think that I'm not teaching a Bible study, but just leading. And so we'll be moving through chapter 3, which is actually not a real long chapter, um, but jam-packed full of stuff. So let's go ahead and get started. Um, I th I've kind of tried to decide, do I want to just read this whole thing and then come back to it I'm, and kind of go through it? I, I think that's what I'm going to do. So we're going to start with uh, verse 1. This is now, beloved, the second letter I am writing to you. In them I am trying to arouse your sincere intention by reminding you that you should remember the words spoken in the past by the holy prophets and the commandment of the Lord and Savior spoken through your apostles. First of all, you must understand this, that in the last days scoffers will come, scoffing and indulging their own lust and saying, where's the promise of his coming? For ever since our ancestor died, all things continued as they were from the beginning of creation. They deliberately ignore the fact that by the word of God, heavens existed long ago and an earth was formed out of water and by means of water through which the world of that time was deluged with water and perished. But by the same word, the present heavens and earth have been reserved for fire, being kept until the day of judgment and destruction of the godless. But do not ignore this one fact, beloved, that with the Lord one day is like a thousand years, and a thousand years is like one day. The Lord is not slow about his promise, as some think of slowness, but is patient with you, not wanting any to perish, but all to come to repentance. But the day of the Lord will come like a thief, and then the heavens will pass away with a loud noise, and the elements will be dissolved with fire, and the earth and everything that is done on it will be disclosed. Since all these things are to be dissolved, in this way, what sort of person ought you be in leading lives of holiness and godliness, waiting for and hastening the day of, of God, because of which the heavens will be set ablaze and dissolved, the elements will melt with fire. But in accordance with his promise, we wait for new heavens and new earth, where righteousness is at home. 
Therefore, beloved, while you are waiting for these things, strive to be found at, by him at peace, without spot or blemish, and regard the patience of our Lord as salvation. So also my beloved brother Paul wrote to you according to the wisdom given him, speaking of this as he does in all his letters. There are some things in them hard to understand, which the ignorant and unstable twist to their own destruction, as they do the other scriptures. You therefore, beloved, since you are forewarned, beware that you are not carried away with the error of the lawless and lose your own stability, but grow in grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. To him be the glory both now and on the day of eternity. Amen. I kind of like reading it in the whole because when you're breaking it apart, you, you somehow lose what he's trying to say, I think. And like I said, I, I think you can go off a thousand different directions just on one or two of the verses. It brings up so many questions. Um, but as I am not that Bible scholar, we'll just stick with what seems to be the basic and pretty much what it's saying. So when I looked at this, it kind of seemed like there were things that were divided up. Um, in the very first, it seems like he's kind of talking about an attitude towards the return of the Lord. Um, and if you remember in, verse, in chapter 1 and in chapter 2, he talked about um, an apostasies, a falling away. And, and I think he was talking about right then, and I think he's talking about right now. And right now, you know, I mean, it's kind of, it was kind of cool when you look back at the, at the very first chapter. It felt like, yeah, and he's talking, Peter's talking to Susie right now. So um, when we look at verse 1, in some translations in verse 1, it will say, um, arouse your, um, oh, I can't even remember the word now, but really sincere, oh, pure, it's pure. Yeah, pure. And really sincere is probably um, a better translation of that. Um, it's not talking about um, us being holy as much as it's talking about that we are sincere in wanting, um, in wanting to do what's right, to be aroused. So when you hear the Lord saying things over and over again in the Bible, you know it's something important that he wants us to know. And... I can't even remember the number. I heard it at one point, but don't recall it, that how many times he brought up the end times, the day of the Lord, and how many times he talked about the destruction of the earth and a new heaven and earth. It's quite a bit that he brings it up throughout the Bible. The Old Testament prophets talk about it as well as the, the apostles talk about it. Um, so what is it that Peter wants us to remember? He says, you should remember the words spoken not only by the prophets in the past, but by the apostles now. So he's kind of putting both on equal fields. And the fact that to me that he recognizes that the apostles of that day really are speaking the word of God as much as the prophets were speaking the word of God. So he's talking about Paul who was living at the same time and they're talking about um, saying that this is, this is going to happen. And um, 
So what is it that he wants us to remember if we go into verse, starting into verse 2? Um, that we should remember the, the words that the prophet spoke as well as the apostles. First of all, understand that in the last days, scoffers are going to come. Can we see that now? Oh, yeah. Clearly. They've been here. been here for a while. And um, when, when you look at scoffers, um, it's one of the, de, um, I'm trying to think of somebody from Calvary Chapel that used this as a definition. They treat lightly what should be taken seriously. And if you've ever tried to witness to someone or talk to someone about the Lord and they start in with, you believe that, you believe that book, you believe creation, you believe God's really going to come back, those are all scoffers. And the thing is, is when they get Jesus wrong, they get the rest of the story wrong. If they don't get who Jesus is, and where, what his place is, they get the whole rest of the story wrong. You can think of religions that don't get Jesus right. And so it kind of makes them get everything else in the Bible wrong when they don't get him right. So he's telling us, understand that scoffers are going to come. They're going to indulge in their own lust, saying, where is the promise of his coming? Ever since our ancestor died, all things continue as they were from the beginning. And you can hear people saying that today. Sometimes even Christians. You know, while we, I can't remember, it was like I was living in Holland in the 80s. And, you know, the, it was like in 1982, the Lord is due. You know, in 1980, you know, it was like these things that they kept saying the Lord was returning. And then the 90s came and there where the Lord didn't return and... 2000 came, you know, and everything was going to fall apart and you're sure the Lord was going to come. It doesn't mean the Lord isn't going to come. The Lord will come. You know, you can mark it. The Lord will come. You just can't mark it on a calendar because God is, is um, he is generous. He is, when you think of the word long suffering, I don't think it really explains who God is. I think that God has every right to light the world on fire. He has enough anger at what we have done equal to the days of Noah. But because he is patient and wants all to come to the Lord, this is why he waits. And I thank God he waits. I thank him that he is not coming before all that have a chance can get saved. Um... When you look at the words, kind of backing up a little bit, he wants to arouse our sincere intention, and he wants to stir that up. He wants to wake it up in us. Even we can become kind of lethargic, you know, in thinking, um, well, I read my Bible today, chick, chick, and I made breakfast for my kids, check that one off, and, you know, I helped do good works at the church today, click that off, it's time for bed, let me say my prayers, and we can become lethargic about where, what is happening in our world and the fact that our Lord will return. He is coming back. When you look in verse 5, it says, they deliberately ignore the facts. So, they they don't just it doesn't just slip their minds they're ignoring the fact 
that the word of God, heaven existed before the earth was long ago and an earth was formed out of water. Um, they deliberately don't remember that God destroyed that earth because of the sin that was going on in Noah's time. When you think about um, that and that he will destroy this earth again by fire this time. Then when you start moving into um, verse 5 through 13, you're really looking at kind of the agenda of the world. Verse 5, to me, it was really looking at the past world. It refers to the flood of Noah's day. There is an abundance of evidence that that took place. Um, I think that scientists really can't even argue that too much anymore. There, that was a big... Um, what is the word I'm looking for? Cataclysmic kind of event that happened. And it's noted by many, many different cultures that there was a big flood. And God says, I mean, the sin at that time. And sometimes I think um, one of the examples I was listening to said, you know, you go into the nursery and there's a Noah's Ark and the, all the animals are going two by two with big smiles on their face. This was not a big smiley time. You know, the world was destroyed. And Lord Jesus, whatever that is, just be with those people. Whatever is happening, Lord. Um, you know, the world was wiped away because of the sin that was going on at that time in Noah's time. And do you think Noah ran into scoffers? <laughs> yeah. Maybe so. Yeah. I mean, he was building an ark in the middle of Iraq, I think. And, you know, I'm sure there was many scoffers in that day. But he was true to hearing what God told him to do. Then we move into like verse... Um, well, I'm going to read... Uh oh I'm going to read verse um, 7 because we're kind of starting to move into the present time in verse 7. By the same word, the present heavens and earth have been reserved for fire, being kept until the day of judgment and destruction of the godless. Um, I think probably when Peter was writing this, they're probably, I, I'm wondering if he was thinking, how will the earth be destroyed by fire? Well, one, I don't even think they had a concept of how big the earth was. You know, the earth was kind of their world right there. And I mean, I'm just trying to guess. I wonder what Peter was thinking if the world was going to be destroyed by fire, where I think now we know that our whole earth is fire and, and really only about, I don't know, maybe 10 feet under, it's a big ball of fire under there. And there is going to be a time when this world will not be anymore. Verse 8. But do not ignore this one fact, beloved, that our, with our Lord one day is like a thousand years, and a thousand years is like one day. The Lord is not slow about his promise, as some think of slowness, but is patient with you, not wanting any to perish, but all to come to repentance. Anyone have thoughts on that one? 
about the whole time thing. Yeah. 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 There, there's like there's no standard. There's no there's no plumb line that says don't cross over this. This this is not right. Um, I, you know, I go through and I try to keep up on things that are going on in the news, and I I want to know just because. I want to put it in perspective with where we're at in the in the Bible, and you know the whole thing with um, transgender. You know, I just I just look at. I, I read an article this morning, and I was just looking at this young. I think it was a girl. Um, how lost and how sad and how confused. And yet everyone is praising her, saying, how brave you are. You know, and I'm, I'm like, the, they're believing the lie. They're believing the lie that is moving them away from our Lord. Um, you know, and it's not that I don't love that group of people. I do. I, I feel like if I don't love that group of people, how can I share Jesus with that group of people? You know, I, I think that it's, it's super important, um, you know, to love those outside the church as well as inside the church, but outside the church because I think that's what God calls us to do. How can we, you can still love and not accept the lie, I guess is what I'm trying to say. And I think the thing that's like we have to remind ourselves with this verse about one day is like a thousand years and a thousand years is like one day, is that um, the Lord is not bound by time. He's, he's not bound by, you know, he, he, everything to him is eternity. He's moving through and time does not bind him. And so it's something that's so foreign, I think, to us, but to him, um, I mean, I hope one day that, you know, when we're in that new earth or in that new heaven, that we are not bound by time, you know, that we understand what that's like. I mean, because it kind of must be pretty cool yeah. that you're not bound by time. Um, and I think that that's why we need to be ready, because honestly, it can happen any moment, any moment. When no one's expecting it, it happens. Yes. In fact, I think they bring that back up a little bit further down the line here. Um, so when I say, it's talking about that in verse 10. By the day, but the day of the Lord will come like a thief, and then the heavens will pass away with a loud noise, and the elements will be dissolved with fire, and the earth and everything that is done on it will be disclosed. Yes, ma'am.
where God resides. Yeah. Um, when it says the heavens will pass away, I, I don't know. Because um, I, would, I would think that it means the sky. Um, although, too. although I think when you start reading in Revelation, I just kind of wrote this down a little bit. Um, in Revelation 21, I'm kind of jumping ahead. If you go to Revelation 21, and I am not the Revelation scholar, um, but when I jump to Revelation 21, it says, Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and the sea was no more. So I think when we're reading that part, the tribulation has already happened. That's past. So, you know, there's debate on whether the rapture's coming before that, in the middle of that, after that. I'm praying it comes before that. So let's say that I'm right. There's a rapture. There's a tribulation. Those things have passed. Jesus has returned to the earth. His second coming has happened. That's past before we get to Revelations 21. The millennium kingdom, which was a thousand year reign, that's past. And because that happened on the present earth, that thousand year reign was on the present earth. And then after that, a new heaven and a new earth. Um, so just, and like I say, you can't ask questions on this part because I don't know enough to know the answers. <laughs> or, you can, or you can correct me or tell me what you think about this because I find it interesting, but I'm telling you I don't know the answers on this. Um, this is just something that I had been reading that, you know, some people would ask, well, why would you keep the earth to do the thousand-year reign? You know, why wouldn't we make a new heaven and a new earth and then do that thousand-year reign? So, but one of the things that I had um, heard with, through a Calvary chapel, because I went to a Calvary chapel before um, when I was living in Phoenix, that, um, that there still is a reverse of the curse that God, that came with Adam and Eve. There's still the reverse of that curse that happened on earth. And that there is a fulfill, to fulfill all the prom, promise um, to Israel, that that's why the old earth was used. I don't know enough to tell you if that's true or not true, but I'll just plant it out there and everybody needs to go to figure that out through what the word says and study. That right there could be a study all on its own. And, you know, I am not the, um, the, new world, new earth, new heaven expert. But I do think it brings up curious questions. And then it says in uh, Revelation 21, And I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the, from the throne saying, See the home of God is among mortals. He will dwell with them as their God, and they will be his people, his peoples, and God himself will be with them. He will wipe away every tear from their eye. Makes me want to cry, huh? Yeah. 
death will be no more mourning and crying and pain will be no more for the first things have passed away kind of like those things of Noah have passed away now these things that we know on earth we're in this middle group right now those are going to pass away what God is bringing you know it's like at first, it's disastrous, but in the end, it's like marvelous. It's like there aren't words to describe what it will be. Anyway, I kind of jump ahead of myself there. I, it, it just kind of brought that to mind to me. Number nine. Yeah. I I think that it can get so much worse. I think this is the birth pains that we're seeing right now. I think that all that we're seeing and feeling and this one, you know, we can call it a plague. I think it really is the birth pains of what's to come. I just think it can get so much worse. And um, I, was, I was listening to um, something that Max Licato did the other day. I love him as an author. And he kind of did this timeline. And really, we're right in this place. The rapture could happen at any moment. And, um, you know, so I think one of the things back in Second Peter, and maybe I'm getting to that place, Um, when you get to verse 14, Therefore, beloved, while you are waiting for these things, strive to be found by him at peace without spot or blemish, and regard the patience of our Lord as salvation. So also our beloved Paul wrote to you according to the wisdom given him, speaking as, as this as he does in all his letters, there are some things in them hard to understand, but the ignorant and unstable twist to their own destruction as they do other scriptures. You, therefore, beloved, since you are forewarned, beware that you are not carried away with the error of lawlessness and lose your own civility. And I think here is the weapon here that we talked about in chapter 1 and chapter 2, and he wraps up with, one of our weapons right here, but growing grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. The more we know Jesus, the more we know what his word says, the more we can stand, not be, be tossed about in, with instability. You know, at first when I read this, um, the one right above it, it says not to be carried away with the error of lawness and lose your and I'm, in my mind, I'm thinking salvation. It's not your salvation. It's your stability. So those that are not grounded in the word 
I think those scoffers come along, those false, those false preachers come along, um, a word that has a partial truth in it. You don't know enough because you're not grounded enough and thus you're not stable. You can be tossed about. And I don't think it means losing your salvation, but I do think it makes you a very not stable person and an easy target. And uh, what, what are your thoughts on that? Yeah. Like you think about how like the spirit led Jesus into the wilderness for 40, 40 days, and right, he wasn't eating or drinking. Or anyways, but anyway, Satan tempted him with things that Jesus wanted to always But God, his, his defense to Satan was he quoted back the word to him. Um, and I really think it is our defense is to be able to know the word and say it back. And I think growing in grace and knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ, that right there um, is going to ground us. I'm going to look through this and see anything else I wrote because I kind of tend to write all over the place. Oh, one of the things that, that I was kind of interested in when I read this was the day of the Lord. You know, what does that mean, Lord, the day of the Lord? Is that like the rapture? Is that the tribulation? Is that the, you know, when when the earth is gone and there's a new heaven and earth? Is that the... Yeah, I, what do you guys think that is? I, I kind of came up with, I think it kind of starts with the tribulation and goes all the way through, you know, but I, I kind of was thinking that it started with tribulation. I don't think it's a one-day event. No. You know, I think it's a, it's a, um, yes, it's that thousand years. It's that one day that's a thousand years. Um, <coughs> Yeah, that's kind of what I came up with. That it starts with, with tribulation and um, culminates with the second coming of Christ when he comes back down to the earth is what I thought it talked about. And, and it mentions it in different, um, different books of the Bible. It's in Isaiah, Jeremiah, Amos. I mean, like lots in the, New Test in the Old Testament. The prophets spoke about it a lot in the Old Testament. And then you get into Matthew 24, Mark 13, Luke 21. Those all talk about it more in detail. And then John really gets into detail when you get into Revelation. And that's when you really get the detail. And I think it's that whole thing starting with the tribulation. And I guess the other thing I got out of this chapter 
is that as it was in the days of Noah, it's going to also be the same before the, the, the second coming of, of, of Christ. It's going to be the same. We're going to see it the same as it was when the days of Noah. So, you know, one of the things it says, while we're waiting for these things. So, you know, I asked, what kind of person are we going to be while we're waiting for these things to happen? Because we're kind of in the, the waiting place, you know, and the Susie in me would like to wait in my house um, watching cooking shows and making shortbread cookies and baking cookies and passing them on to Sharon, getting her chubby. You know, that's what I'd like to do while I'm waiting. But I don't think that's exactly what the Lord's calling me to do. I don't think that's what he really intends for me to do. Not that it's a bad thing to do that. But beloved, while you're waiting for these things, Strive to be found by him at peace. I think the more we know his word, the more at peace we will be. We will not be, um, I mean, it will come as a surprise, I think, when the rapture comes, when, and then we won't have to worry about the tribulation too much, except for what about those people that are all around us that don't know the Lord? You know, I had said, I think last week, we need to grieve for the things our Father grieves for. And there is a world around us that does not know Jesus. That, and um, Kim one time had us listen to, um, she was a British, I think, missionary, and she talked about wherever your two feet are, that's where your mission field is. And we should be about our Father's work wherever our two feet are standing, you know? And I think, well, Lord, you know, I'd have to go out of the house <laughs> for my two feet to be standing someplace else. And I've really been praying about that. You know, Lord, let me be the one that says, send me, Lord, because I want to feel that grief you feel. When you grieve for everyone, Lord, I should feel that too. And then, you know what, I will be at peace because I'm listening to what you're saying, Lord. Um, without spot or blemish, gosh, I don't know that I can get there, but I know the more I know the word, the more I'm going to be able to stand in those days. Um, and I think we should be about our Father's work. That's what we should be while we're waiting. Um, seeing every opportunity and praying about every opportunity that God gives us. And I think the other thing that I, I had heard from one of my Calvary pastors is when we start believing the reality of that side, then we're going to start living and behaving that reality on this side. I think the more we start believing what our Lord is saying is going to be happening, and that there is a heaven, and it is real, and the earth will come to an end, and there will be a rapture, and there will be a tribulation, the more we start believing that, the more our behavior will show that. We should have that sense of urgency, that we don't have that much time left. And maybe that's the prayer we pray. 
Lord, give me opportunity. Give me a sense of urgency because I could be real complacent, just kicking back, checking off my checklist. Cookies were made, you know. I went and checked. Yeah, took them to Kathy's. (laughs) And I think that's how I will end. One of the things that um, early Christians would say to each other, and maybe it's what we need to say to each other now, is, is Maranatha, the Lord is coming. So maybe when we're hugging each other or we whisper to each other, Maranatha, because the Lord is coming. Amen, I'm excited. I am. Think about the panic in the world right now because of this COVID thing. Regardless of whether it was man-made and purposely done or what, I think the non-believers are panicking. Where believers know who's in control. Well, and if you were an on-the-fence believer, you're probably not going to be able to sit there much longer. Uh-huh. You better pick a side, because I don't think that day is going to be much longer. And I think also, it, it reminds me of the passage in Luke. I wrote it down. Um, well, it's actually, it's in Luke and it's in Matthew. The harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. You know, there is a world out there that is dying and they need us to go forward and share the good news. Any other thing to add? Nope. Well, um, I'm going to say that unless Kim makes an announcement... We're probably going to put our Bible study on hold uh, unless she makes some kind of announcement in church on Sunday. We wrapped up First and Second Peter. Those were good books. Those were super good books. And let's go ahead and close out. Anyone want to pray? I won't even look to see if you're making eye contact. Man, it's not my comfort zone. <laughs> go ahead. That's okay. You're sincere. Amen.